and welcome to another Woodshop Podcast with Mike Coffey of Coffee Custom Builds, Daniel Dunlap of Daniel Dunlap Woodworks, and Peter Kapar of Petrie's Workshop. You can find us all as well as the podcast on Instagram and YouTube. What is happening, everybody? Welcome to episode 16 of another Woodshop Podcast. Yo, yo, weekly yo. dose of all things religion and politics. <laughs> What's going on, boys? <laughs> uh, I, I would like to submit submit my resignation right now. Finally. <laughs> politics? Pete, we did it. We finally got him to quit. We didn't we have to be... Yeah. We didn't Bye. have to take, take charge and get rid of him. <laughs> Daniel? Yes. What is on your bench? What's on my bench? Uh, I don't know what that was about. Sorry about that. I loved um, it. I'm going to change the <laughs> intro. Hold on. I'm going to copyright that. <laughs> uh, I'm working on the walnut desk. And for everybody who follows me on Instagram, I just want to say I am not staining the walnut desk. So quit <laughs> commenting about that. It's not going to be painted either. Hey, oh. Um, <laughs> I just started finishing the legs. They look crazy sexy. Very sexy. And uh, let's see. What else? I think that's it. That's all I've been working on lately. It's kind of nice. I don't have any other small projects going on. What about you guys? Pete? I have finally hung up the the cherry shelves in our living room, and they look so freaking good. They do. Uh, I'm, I'm so they excited. They do. Just have the extra space up there, and I can put my nerdy stuff there because my office is in our living room too that's where my computer is i have mm-hmm. some nerdy stuff up there but it still looks tasteful your girl no, robots not too much <laughs> uh, i will have you know it's world of warcraft characters oh i was way off my bad <laughs> <laughs> yeah get the right nerds bro <laughs> uh, aside from that i got my camera and yeah. i have been playing with that thing non-stop i love it i got some new equipment for it and if you play with it too much order... you'll go blind just wanna haha um and i was gonna get more equipment for it but then i got peer pressured into getting a new tool by my very good friend uh who shall remain nameless and uh now i'm not getting extra camera gear for my camera (laughs) but i'm excited i'm gonna have a new tool coming in next week i think uh, dan might know something about that too i'm excited yeah i have that same friend and it'll be here tomorrow he sounds great Um, yeah he's he's all right (laughs) yeah yes if you could aside, see Dan's uh, face, he's that, giving me stink eye. So uh. I've had, <laughs> aside from that, I've had a very interesting uh, experience with, let's just say, a sponsor that I'm working with. Uh, I'm not going to go too much into detail with it, but it's um, it's caused me a little bit of stress, uh, undue stress, and uh, it's better now. So all is all is well now. But it was something that you know, you know, anytime you're working with a sponsor, sometimes you get a little excited and you're like, oh, this is cool, and then the timeline and the demands start coming in and it's like, Oh, this, we need to talk about this. Taco Bell is hard uh, to work with. They're Taco Bell is hard to work with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They want the, the dog, the chihuahua in every shot. I don't know how they're going to have you, okay. have you turn a burrito on a lathe. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Imagine just, <laughs> just fly it everywhere. Uh, that's about it for me. What about you, Mike? Uh, it's been a pretty cool week for me over in my shop. Um, I Why? nothing uh, exciting happened. No, I mean it's been pretty great. I'm pretty excited. I got. Uh, I'm partnered with Macbeth. Um, I can say that. Uh, I'm partnered with a, with Macbeth, and I'm very proud to be partnered with with Macbeth. 
we uh, I was able to get uh, my dream table saw this week. <laughs> I'm very excited about that. The I 20 horsepower, horsepower saw stop. The what? The 20 horsepower saw stop. I got the 20 horsepower saw stop. Very nice. <laughs> I got the 1.76 horsepower saw stop. It's 0.1 horsepower <laughs> more than Dan. No, I, <laughs> I got the uh, three horsepower professional cabinet saw. I'm really excited. I've got the router wing coming, which is going to be amazing because I really, I really do like my router table. Um, it's one of my first pieces of shop furniture I ever made. Uh, it's not perfect, but it does. It's it's fine for what I do and what I need it for. But um, shop spaces, I really don't have the space to dedicate to a router table. So having it in my wing is going to be really slick. So that comes this week at some point. And then nice. it gets even crazier. I got my dream planer. I got a Laguna 20-inch helical head planer. It's a monster. It's all cast iron. I have and, a 21-inch uh, coming tomorrow. Yeah, you're 21. Just coming <laughs> Pete, which yeah, one you get? 21 22? and a half inch. 21. <laughs> Powermatic coming in next week. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, it's been um, a pretty crazy week. It's been really wild. I got a couple of my a couple of my dream tools, and um, I could not be more That's happy so about cool, that. Um, also, I some friends of ours that moved out of the area when we actually so we moved in from Napa to where we're at now. Uh, out in the Sacramento Valley and um, we where we lived for the first year we got we had these neighbors that we met I don't need to go in that but anyway some friends of ours moved up to Seattle and they're moving back and cool. uh, the husband he we talk every couple of weeks he uh, he's been following my woodworking in the last couple of years and he's he's like a big supporter uh, he's like hey I want to make a, a coffee table for my wife as a home as like a home warming gift or housewarming gift so I'm I lock, they locked that up and I'm making them a coffee table. Uh, I got to go pick up the slab this week. It's going to be really fun. I'm really excited about that. And then I've had an Etsy page for one. I just, that's a joke for Dan and Pete. I've had my Etsy page. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, sent, like, I sent them a text and uh, I didn't put this qualifier of how much time. I've had my Etsy page for a year now and I've not gotten a single sale on it. That's why I put all my – I listed all my items on my own website and I, I get a good amount of sales there. But uh, I got my first sale on Etsy and uh, that's pretty exciting. I'm selling one of those Lego trays. So I started that last night. Um, it's been really slow on commissions for me over here uh, since Rona started. It's been basically dead for me. So <clears throat> um, uh, it's really nice to have a couple orders in right now. So, And there's a third one that I'm talking to the, to the gal right now about. And uh, I think the the live edge pieces of furniture were spurned by my uh, that slab, that cedar slab bench I just finished last week. So, yeah, it's been a really great week. I can't believe it. I'm really excited. I'm going to start running the electrical today or tomorrow for the new planer and um, shops in really good shape right now. So, um, but real quick, what's up, Dan? I need to amend what's on my bench. Oh, yeah. I have a oh. commission that I need to start working on tomorrow. Another one. <clears throat> I have some uh, floating alder shelves I need to make and I'm going to wrap a oh. mantle in alder as well. Sweet. Same, I love same. working with alder. Yeah, it's great. It's I so like nice. It smells. It- it smells good and it tools really nice. It does tear out a little bit too much on a plane. It is a little but, uh, soft on yeah. the soft side, but yeah, I, I'm yeah. I'm in agreement with you. I like it working just, with it. I really like it. Um, I have a bunch of it. I need to get rid of because I'm just not going to use it. I got it for free. Um, Leland from Stockbuilt. He's local. He only lives like 20 minutes from me. He's actually coming over Wednesday to grab all that. Luckily, I know he'll use oh, it. Cool. So I just can't can't store it. I've had it for over a year and I just don't see myself using it. So I'd rather someone else got it who will use it. So. That's but awesome. real quick, I wanted to say a big thank you to Bear Hollow Supply. 
Once again, they are our sponsor for the podcast this week. Um, Yay! Pete will put Thank you, their Hall. information. Hall. I just got um, – <clears throat> I'm, I'm making that – oh, I forgot to mention. I made a walnut shelf for my – what's on my bench? I made this oh. walnut shelf uh, to go over the cedar slab bench and um, – uh, I'm not done with it, but I'm. it's basically done. I just need to do the finish work. I was waiting for an order of coat hooks I ordered from Bear Hollow Supply, and they are um, – they're cast aluminum like all their other stuff. But they look like cast iron, and um, they feel really nice, and they look great. They're really, and they're $2.50 a piece. They're so yeah. cheap. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. And I got six of those, and they look really, really nice. They're, they're really sweet looking. So um, – Big thank you to Bear Hall Supply. Uh, I use them. I know the guys use them. They're just a really actually. Really I big... need to see if they have a floating shelf mounts. I think he's got a few shelf brackets in there. I know they have a lot of drawer hardware. They have like their own slides. I want to get their undermount slides and try them on my next build with uh, drawers in them because um, if they're anything like in there, any of their other stuff, I, I bet it's really nice. So uh, anyway, check out Bear Hall Supply. We really appreciate them. Also, um. You know, we had our giveaway last week. <clears throat> we were giving away a jar of Odie's oil, and that giveaway was brought to us by Macbeth, who uh, I love, and I know the boys are learning to love him. Uh, we we really we really appreciate Macbeth. They're a big big supporter of the show, and for me specifically, they're really a really huge supporter for me. So I'm really lucky to be in a relationship with them. But our Macbeth winner was right, huh? Macbeth Hardwoods. What did I say? You just said Macbeth. Oh yeah, Macbeth oh, I just Hardwood. Wanted to be more specific. No, you're right, 100%. Macbeth Hardwood is who I'm referring to. Um so uh the winner of the giveaway this week, Dan, who was that? Jeremy West of what's his IG handle? Reclaimed Woodworks. Yeah. Reclaimed. Woo! Congrats, Jeremy West, man. congrats. Woo! Yeah. You won the painted walnut Odie's oil. Nice. <laughs> Very nice. So we will uh, reach out to him. Today, actually, as soon as we're done recording here, and, I'll do it uh, while you're talking. How's yeah, that? Dude, but wait, but, there's more. But wait, there's right, more, Mike. And we're gonna have. Uh, we're actually doing another giveaway in this for this week's episode. We will give that information a little bit later when we get uh, halfway through the voicemails here in a minute. But we're gonna have a special um, <laughs> uh, code phrase for that, <laughs> and uh, uh, you gotta listen for that code <laughs> phrase to be. A, to be in that giveaway, and it's the same thing. <laughs> Message us on IG, on the on the uh, Another Woodshop Podcast Instagram account, or send us an email to Another Woodshop Podcast at gmail So So uh, we'll tell you that special code phrase here shortly. But right off the bat, we're going to jump into um, into questions here. We actually didn't pick an order of how we want to do these questions before we did the show. That was something we forgot to do. So I'm just going to kind of go down this list here. Um, we have the first question or the first voicemail is a question from Patrick Murphy. I don't know what his handle is. Oh, made by Murphy. Yes, I do. It's right here. So Patrick, <laughs> thank you for the question. Hello, gentlemen. I use that term loosely. This is Patrick Murphy with made by Murphy. Loved the podcast. I'm getting caught up in old episodes. Um, I guess I should start this off with ditto and stop making jokes about the Patreon and just set up the Patreon already. But on a serious note, my question is about shop, shop layout. Um, is yours a constant evolution or are you guys locked into what your current setup is? And I, I know, you know, some of you are doing this to pay the mortgage. So you probably went more with efficiency. But how do you guys approach it? 
Patrick, thanks for the question. I'm going to throw this one over to Dan real quick. First of all, oh. I think that question was its own podcast episode. It's like <laughs> yeah, the it question by itself. <laughs> Bit of a long one. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! That's a lot to take in. Um, My shop is ever-evolving. I mean, like, I... I'm I'm never done buying tools. It feels like, and I think my wife would agree at this point. So it's it's kind of ever evolving. Um, so I don't think I'm ever going to be done. Um, and oftentimes my shop always looks like a post-apocalyptic like scene, even when it's not evolving. Just because yeah. like I I can't keep up a, a shop clean. I don't know how to pick up after myself. <laughs> I really should learn better. I find it ironic that he said, like, some of you do this to pay the mortgage. And ironically, you were the one with with the least shop flow because you had just, like, two plugs in there. It's just, like, I (laughs) have a ton of plugs now. Work still got done. Yeah, it's still a disaster. Like, I mean, that goes to show, like, really, like, I mean, Dan does it, does pay the mortgage. I mean, for me, it's, I'm more retentive about, you know, retentive about my shop layout than dan is but dan does it just fine and makes a living off of it so it goes to show like what you can actually get done with a shop so yeah i mean it i'm I'm not dan has to get in there jump in there make something get it out to a customer to make sure he has food on his table so dan's kind of just it's a different thing for me it's it's not so much that as much as it is it's kind of like my 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 space kind of a spot and not the website myspace but my actual space, <laughs> um, it's, you know, it's kind of like, I like it to be as nice as I can make it because I'm in there so much. Dan likes it to be as low overhead and efficient as possible so he can make as much money off of it, which, yeah, it, you know, kind of, right? I mean, is that semi-accurate? That or makes no? sense, shaking your but, head you know, no. if I wanted it to be super efficient, I should probably, uh, I should probably make it better. No, I agree. Uh, I mean, uh, constantly optimizing is important so i mean mine mine looks nice but it is also optimized a lot i mean i'm really glad you got electrical in there i feel like you're going to start seeing projects get out of your shop faster now yeah because you're not moving cords around right right i mean there's (laughs) things much better there's things like that that make it just so much better i just don't think and of course your dust collector is connected now right (laughs) zero percent chance dan's (laughs) dust collector is collected what's that dan i have a shop back I got and so just radio silence for me and Pete. <laughs> so that's cool. What about your dust collector, Dan? Yeah, he collects <laughs> dust. <laughs> it's in the works. <laughs> so this is never okay. going to happen. I don't. Yep. I just don't look forward to the day when Dan is like, "Hey guys, before the podcast, hey, the doc found something on the X-ray of my lungs." That's like what I don't want to hear. Like, but I don't smoke. Dan, it's fine. We don't want to lose you. <laughs> You're smoking dust. <laughs> no, it's uh, – we give Dan a hard time. But Dan really pays his bills from this job. So, Dan knows what he's doing. I mean, Dan Dan gets stuff done. But, you know, Dan yeah. just kind of jumps into things and he makes it happen. So, I mean, there's, you can get a lot done with – sometimes the focus gets put on the wrong things is what I'm trying to say. Uh, I, I like how you're explaining Dan's situation. Yeah, I'm, I'm Dan, just like – and Dan's like, this is good. Keep going. No, I, I mean, it's just, I'm just saying Dan, I, what I admire about Dan is like, he just gets it done. Like sometimes he, he people does, focus yeah. on, oh, I need the nicest, best, this, everything has to be this primo situation. And it doesn't. And the point I'm trying to make is like, if you just want to do woodworking, you can get a lot done with a little. Um, yeah. And I'm not saying Dan has a little because Dan's got a nice <laughs> shop. Um, 
That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is Dan gets a surprising amount of stuff done with what he's got. And that's just because he's you a sound just like his wife. Huh? <laughs> you sound just like his wife. <laughs> oh, man. That's not what I meant. Mic drop. <laughs> Jeez Louise. <laughs> oh. oh, Pete thinks he's so funny. If now I need to Pete retire. Right <laughs> I need to. I'm just saying, you. I respect that about Dan. Dan gets in there, gets it done with what he's got. And Dan's building up a really nice shop in there for sure. But Dan just, Dan knocks out big projects, like really big projects every week. This Dan sounds like a nice guy. I want to meet he him. Is an, yeah, for those of you jerk. playing the Dan word drinking game, you're supposed to have drank 60 times already. Because that's how many times Mike said Dan. <laughs> Dan. All right. What about you, Dan? No, I'm just joking. Pete. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I agree. Uh, ditto, as they say. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's always evolving. It, there's times that I get a new large tool and that Fs up my whole shop flow. There's times I get a screwdriver and I need to redo my whole shop. You know, it all depends. And sometimes it doesn't make a difference. You just kind of stick it in a corner if you have the space for it. Um, you know, like Mike got two massive tools and had to do zero work because it, well, not zero work, but zero I reworking do. of the shop, except for some electrical. I laid out my shop around these tools a long time ago. Like planning ahead. Yeah. yeah but it's it's totally okay. I mean, a lot of us are in smaller shops. Uh, some people are in one car shops or in a corner in a basement or something and everything's on wheels. That's fine. I think as long as you have a flow going, it's it's okay. And right. it's constantly evolving. I always say we're like goldfish. We we will fill the space we have. Whether you have a one-car garage or April Wilkerson's shop, you will fill it somehow. Well, I mean, to Dan's point, you know, TK just bought my 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 F2. She has like a seven foot wide by 12 or 14, 15 foot long space. And, you know, she's going to make it work. It's exactly what, you, what you're saying, Pete. I mean, you just make it work. Life, you know, life finds a way or whatever. Uh, <laughs> Dress <what's> work. <laughs> uh, Wobie Designs, Goldblum. I think. Yeah. He's in Wobie. a shipping container. Yeah, he's in a shipping container. <laughs> and he's killing it. He is. Yeah, so. I, totally. It's. We always want something bigger. But realistically, I would love a bigger shop. We've talked about that on the podcast. We've all talked. We've talked about dream shops. But <clears throat> what do you need? You know, uh, what yeah. do you like really need? It's always like, oh, I really want this, but, and who, you know. What do you need? Yeah, what do you really need to get done? And and honestly, depending on your shop, it, sometimes it's good to, well, Mike got lucky because he was moving from one shop to another within the same space, so he could really plan ahead. Mm -hmm. What I did last summer is I put everything in my driveway and reorganize the shop. Yeah. I sometimes really need that to do helps. that too. <laughs> Man, I wish I lived closer to you, Dan. I'd come over one weekend. We'd I need out in the some organization oh, dude, help. You would have the best electrical and like dust collection and everything. <laughs> we, we, um, you know, for me, it's like, I just don't think you're ever going to be done optimizing your shop because you're going to learn more and what you do is going to be changing always. Like you're still woodworking, but you know, you might go to this phase where you're like just turning a lot of stuff. I mean, that's not realistic for myself, but I mean, you know, you might, you just, you just learn things and you get new tools and what you find, I mean, you might have, like, right now I have, like, a wall with some hand tools. In a few years, I might have a, I might need space for a lot of hand tools. Or I might, you don't know what you find yourself doing, you know. If you're Dan, you're Dan who does it for a living, Dan's doing uh, commission uh, furniture pieces. But what if all of a sudden Dan starts getting a million orders for custom doors and now Dan has to rejigger his shop to do custom doors? That's not going to happen, but that's an example. You know what I mean? I mean, Dan could find himself in a in a couple years like he's the guy in Omaha who's doing custom doors for people and it's a completely different workflow. So, I mean, you just don't know. Dan could – turns out Dan 
becomes the f- the desk guy of Omaha, and Dan now cool. has to. F- I mean, yeah, you know what I mean. I, that you have to find this new space. Things just change with what you're doing. So that's that's the point. Is the answer to the question is no. You'll never be finished organizing your shop. I think we've yeah. answered the question. Yes, we did. Yeah. Let's move on. Also, for those of you counting, uh, the Dan count is up to 82. 82. Dan. Okay, so <laughs> this next one is from Patrick Snoke. He has a question about squares. Morning, gentlemen. I would like your recommendations on improving or purchasing new uh, precision measuring tools and, and what's necessary. I'm moving from doing architectural millwork, trim work, uh, to more furniture, uh, furniture grade, stain grade projects. And I can't afford a $300 combination square, uh, that's colored red. So I'd like your recommendations on that. Pat, thank you so much for the uh, question. Pat, you had a second part to your question. We're not actually going to go into it on the air. It'd be a little difficult and kind of a minefield for us to answer. So we appreciate the first part of your question a lot. And I'll jump into that. I get it. Um, those red squares, it's woodpeckers. We'll just say it's woodpeckers. I mean, they're it's a solid brand. We're not going to trash <laughs> them right now. You know, it's yep. just uh, they're very expensive. <laughs> uh, they're very expensive. And, you know, it is really hard in woodworking to justify those tools. Um, you know, I have a couple of them. And... Huh. How do I want to go about this? Um, I have a couple of them. A lot of their tools for me personally, um, I don't have a need for a lot of them because of the price point. I have found very good alternatives for much cheaper. I'll say, um, I do want to say they, they are nice tools. Um, but I, I don't necessarily want to say that you have to have them. Um, but I think they're really nice. I think if you're in like a financial position and you can, they obviously work good. Uh, but there's other tools that work good as well that you can get for a much cheaper price. So you're kind of br- you're buying some marketing a bit, I would say. Um, and I'm not trying to disparage them because I mean I have no relationship with them at all. And um, but I, I don't want to like just poo-poo on that brand because they make good products. Um, but it's you're paying for it. So <clears throat> one thing that I've done. And this is thanks to Jonathan Katz Moses. He has, um, he did a story or he did a YouTube video and we'll get that link actually in our description. It's to Tay Tools has a blem section on their website and that's blemished and secondhand, um, tools. They're basically really nice, really nice marking tools, but they have like a, a, a cosmetic <clears throat> defect on them. Uh, it does not affect the actual uh, use of the tool. And I've bought in like four squares. I've got a six inch and a 12 inch and um, a couple machinist squares from there as well. Uh, and they're fantastic. And they are very sturdy. They are cast iron, heavy, heavy squares. And they're very nice. I can't remember the brands that they are. You don't get to choose. The brands you just uh, – there's like three brands they carry and they're super high-end like Japanese combo squares and American-made combo squares. I wish I could know. I, I'll pull it up while we're while someone else is answering. But you can get much cheaper squares. And I bought a set of machinist squares off of uh, off Amazon and I want to say they're Shop Fox, which is Grizzly's retail brand. Uh, and it's a four-piece set. It's got a, you know, a large one and then it goes down in size to a small one. I want to say it was 30 bucks, and they're – 
their tolerance is for machining, which is much, much tighter than wood. Yep. So I use those literally all the time and they're fantastic. Now, with that being said, there are some tools from the Red Company that no one else makes. Uh, and they're really nice and I'd really like to get my hands on some of them. Um, but I've also gotten by pricey. Yeah. But I've also gotten by without them. Yeah. So it's kind of like, I don't really can't justify it right now, but at some point I will have more of them because some of their tools are just ones that no one else makes. And they're really well thought out. They have one, they have one for sale that's going on sale right now. Um, that actually looks really slick. Um, but again, you know, you gotta, you've got to justify it to yourself. That's not anyone else's job. That's for you to figure out. Dan. Yeah, I agree with everything Mike said. And, uh, Mike, did, did you want to answer this one for me or? So, yeah. So Dan really agrees <laughs> what I said. Dan likes no. what I said. <laughs> um, sorry. I'm sorry. I don't have any of the red tools. It, it's not because I don't like them. I've actually never used them, but uh, I'm in agreement with Mike. They're they're really pricey, and I've gotten by with the uh, the blue tools, Empire, and I might get a little hate from this because they're not quote unquote precision, but they've been good enough for me. I have a six inch uh, combo square, a twelve inch combo square, and a six inch uh, speed square, and they're they're fantastic. I love them, and you can get them at the one of the Box stores. I think like Home Depot carries them. Yeah. And and Lowe's. Menards doesn't. Come on, Menards. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I get I get by with the blue tools and I'm making precision furniture, so they're good enough. What about you, Pete? Well, I'm glad you asked. If you're looking for precision tools, I you should look at my custom squares. Oh my god. Oh god. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, this is coming. <laughs> um how can well, I get no, you so into one of my squares today? <laughs> can I get it in red? Uh, yes, that's I, I could just print it in red. But uh, to side with Dan, I also have two Empire Squares. My very first one that I got when I was a young whippersnapper working on a construction site when I was 16, 17, whatever, that I still have to this day. And then I have a nicer one, a way nicer one, one of the blue newer ones that are like etched in white with the laser or whatever. Um, that's one. Honestly, that one hangs on the shelf a lot, but I do use it sometimes if I need it. But for most things, I just use some kind of basic tools. I mean, I, I do 3D print my own like squares and some other things, which are dead on accurate because that's why the printer's so nice. It's machined. Yeah, it's plastic, but it's machined to be perfect Can and aligned. And I've, yeah, checked it with all these t- other squares that I have, and that works fine. That being said, I love picking up old, like at a yard sale or, or a flea market some like machinist tools, some angle finders and other things. I have so many different calipers, uh, machine squares. They're just, there's something about, especially an older tool. And like, you you know, it has a little history, like someone's used it for machining and we don't need that kind of accuracy. Like it's woodworking, you know, you can shimmy and shove things into places and make it work. Calm down boys. But you know, it's nice to have. And I, I like those older tools. So yes, woodpecker is phenomenal. They're really nice tools. Uh, I've talked to some of the owners at some of the shows when they're in the area. They're really nice. You know, the tools are really, they feel solid, but it is a luxury item. You know, a square that just checks 90. Yeah, you can do that with a plastic ruler that's dead on 92. But there's something about having a little weight to it. You know, I 
most of the time I'll grab one of the ones I 3D print, but there's times I needed to have a little weight. Maybe I'm writing a, a saw against it and I would just want it to have a little more heft. Um, so there's nothing wrong with lower end tools. If you even want to call it a lower end, because I kind of want to, you know, Empire and Stanley, that's just standard. They're solid tools. It's the other tools that are way above that. I one real quick the the brand I was referring to on Tay Tools website is Peck. That's the brand they carry. There is no other brand. I was I was incorrect okay. when I said there was other brands on there. It's just Peck. It's Product Engineers Corporation. Uh, they have like forty dollar twelve inch combination squares that are normally three hundred dollars. So you're paying fractions of the price. Also, <clears throat> the other end of the argument <clears throat> is I do have. A six inch and a 12 inch square that I bought when I was like, when I first moved out when I was like 18 or whatever, uh, from Ace Hardware. And they are definitely not square. Uh, they are crap. I got them from like an Ace Hardware or Home Depot when I first moved out and was had, making a little DIY kit for around the house. And they're trash. Uh, I don't know what brand they are. They're unnamed brands. So you can get really, you can get what you pay for on cheap stuff too. So I yeah. mean, I mean, cheap stuff is cheap sometimes for reasons. So they're really um, like sub $10 ones. Uh, keep in mind, they're meant for uh, framing construction sites. They're framing. They're framing. Yeah. They're framing squares. So Nothing needs to you're be gonna accurate. You're going to get some stuff that's a little, little off. And well, speaking of another red brand, I don't know if you guys have used uh, Capro. Oh yeah. Uh, they sent me a couple things. I actually have one of their, it's the, like the L shaped um, square. I guess it's all square. Yeah. Is and it, it has the legit? marking holes in it. It's, I think it's the legend square, the one with the little like lip that flips out. Mm-hmm. So That's the legend. Balances. It mine's dead on accurate, and I, I like the, I like it for marking something longer than you know like four or five inches. If I need to just drop a line on there, and you know they're not super high end tools, but they're they're good tools. Like I don't have any, you know, all my stuff's been dead on square so far. So, so awesome. don't don't get locked into a brand. It you know a lot of the woodpecker stuff. I, I hate to say it, it is a little hype. But it's cool, you know, just like buying into a brand. Some people just buy Festool, and that's fine. Doesn't mean that the other stuff doesn't work. Right. I think there is definitely tiers and tools. Um, it's really – you can get by with a lot. It goes back to the shop organization. You can get by – you can get really far, and you can go all the way with not highly invested tools. At a certain point, you're just kind of – you're kind of getting the nicest thing you can for yourself kind of more than it's anything. It's okay to treat yourself. Yeah, it's treating yourself. Exactly. It's, yeah. If you want to like, treat yourself and save some money, buy cheap and then paint them red. Hey yo. There you go. Dan's um, hot tip. <laughs> Dan, Dan's tip of the week. Dan's hot tip. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we need we the name of the episode. Workshop. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we need to workshop that a bit, but that is the name of the episode, so write that down. Join <laughs> that in there. <laughs> let's jump in. <laughs> oh, uh, let's geez. jump into the uh the next question here. This is of course from Josh the Dad. He calls in every week now because he's legally obligated. His local prosecutor said he will get jail time if he doesn't call in. So here's Josh. Hey, guys. It's Josh the Dad of Josh the Dad 1 of the Big IG coming at you this week with another question. I'm curious where you draw inspiration from. Do you draw it from surfing the Internet, looking on the Big IG or the Big FB or the Big I don't know what else? And do you look at other things that are being made and say, hey, can I make that? I'm just kind of curious. Where do you get your inspiration? Josh, thank you for calling in as always. Pete, where do you get your inspiration? Well, I'm glad you asked, Mike. It's from (laughs) you two, my closest, dearest friends that I just met recently. 
You need better friends. <laughs> I no definitely. I think IG is one of my biggest inspirations. Uh, it just you know, there's some stuff out there that you're like, whoa, I want to make that. Not to like copy to sell it, whatever. But it's just like, well, that's Copies. cool. I really want to like try that, or I've never thought to do that. Sometimes it's not even a full furniture piece; it's a technique. Because if anyone knows me well, knows that I love uh, pimping out your shop and shop, you know, decor and organization and making jigs or trying different techniques. I love. I'm all about the process, uh, almost more than the furniture. So if I see someone try something really funky, like when. Mike was using the domino and the vertical position to put little dominoes into like a tiny foot. I was like, that's kind of, that's brilliant. Why not use that? Um, one time I got the, I saw someone using a biscuit joiner to mend a crack in a board or check in a board. And I tried that on a cutting board, just threw in a wall, like a custom walnut uh, biscuit in there. I was like, oh, that's awesome. So, <laughs> you know, you get inspiration. Sometimes you think of something and you can inspire someone. So that's probably my biggest one. Uh, aside from that, you know, like online, just seeing stuff like, uh, for example, Pinterest, you know, sometimes I'm not like super creative. So seeing someone else's ideas, not, not to like copy them, but you get inspired. You might make it your own. Uh, and now, you know, we're planning our wedding still, although we don't know how that all is going to work out with the all the closures still. But Emma has been going through Pinterest, getting some ideas and sending me a lot of uh, pictures. So we're just, we're going to be making a lot of cool stuff for the wedding. And that's all inspiration that, you know, I got from her or from ideas online. So that's my main thing. What about you guys? What about Mike? Um, I mean, I get a lot of inspiration from the Instagram community. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's honestly, like I get the most inspiration from YouTube. That's where I get my biggest inspiration from is YouTube. There's just so much really great content on there. There's great content on Instagram too, but sometimes a lot of really recycled stuff. Did you say stuff. YouTube or YouTube? Yeah, because I uh, definitely one of those I YouTube. Like than the other. Oh, um, <laughs> whatever. No. Uh, I, de- I mean, <laughs> I was like, oh, I love the. Uh, it's great. You guys are obviously an inspiration for me. Okay, listen, you want to do the Dan and Pete inspiration segment? Yes, please. Is that what you want? Okay, yep. so I get all my inspiration from Dan and Pete exclusively. I'm building a walnut desk this week, and then <laughs> next week I'm building uh, 37 cutting boards, but I'm not finishing one of them. <laughs> That's a fair statement. I'll take it. <laughs> no. Obviously, the community on Instagram is really inspirational. Uh, we, you get a lot of great interaction with people, and you get a lot of DM'd good ideas and solutions I think the feed is filled with a lot of similar stuff, unfortunately, um, on Instagram. That's kind of where I see it. I mean, you see a lot of like, I won't say specifics, but you see a lot of the same things a lot of times on the feed. Um, YouTube has a lot of interesting stuff. However, the other day, there was a, uh, I wish I knew the account. You know how you see people using the um, the biscuit joiners to cut the splines yeah. all the time? This guy used the domino to cut splines. Oh. I was like, I never even thought about doing that. He put the he used the number four, the smallest domino, and cut a spline in there. It was perfect. It was perfect. It looked amazing. I and I was like, oh, that. it's the same exact thing huh. as using hmm. a biscuit, but I never thought about doing that. And he just did it all the way around, flipped it over, got his it looked anyway. That's you know, you see things you wouldn't think of, like Pete was saying, using the biscuit to fill in a crack or whatever. You cut it out, fill it with the it's just really smart. You see things that you wouldn't think to – you see ways to use your tools that are really cool. And that's what's cool about Instagram is things are really quick hit. So, people – someone can throw one process in there and you're like, ah, I've never thought about doing it like that. So, that's a lot of inspiration. 
like full processes. I get a lot of that from YouTube. I even, <laughs> you're going to make fun of me. I even get a inspiration from Pinterest. Um, I the actually, big P. yeah, I, nothing wrong with it. I go on there and there's actually like, it's a lot of photo based content, but you, I see a lot of, I get a lot of design inspiration from Pinterest, yeah. not process inspiration. So, um, there's a lot of places and that's, to pull it from. That's almost better because you you see the finished product, but you don't see the process and you you do it your way. Right. And it's like you get to really be like, well, how the hell did they do this thing? Well, you know. And then you figure out a way to do it. You know, I think, you know, when you first get started, you kind of – you have to – you need to mimic exactly what people do to get muscle memory and learn things. And then as you kind of uh, – I don't want to say graduate, but I guess go past that point, you just – you want to see the end result, and then you start doing it your own way the whole way through. And then I think the next level above that, which is where I'm not at, you imagine things entirely in your head, and you imagine the whole process. I think that's the next level beyond where I'm at in my woodworking uh, journey. I hate saying that, but uh, in my woodworking <laughs> journey, you know, right now I see a lot of end results because I'm not I'm not designing things in my head. I think that just comes in time after woodworking so long. You start integrating different facets and you have your own processes and you have your own designs. Whereas right now I mostly have my own processes, but I pull designs from other places. So there's still a lot of inspiration to be had. Dan? Well, I like to believe that I am the inspiration. You're welcome. You're the wind yes. beneath my yes, wings. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, instead of like – copy and what these two said word for word i'm just going to say ditto to what they said i get a lot of my inspiration from it, the internet you know instagram youtube pinterest tiktok even Ugh, i've been addicted Ugh. to tiktok lately <laughs> it's anyways thing. that's uh, that's another story um yeah i get a lot of design inspiration from pinterest like mike said but uh one of the biggest driving factors for inspiration for me is money I mean, right. people are paying me to to make them custom furniture, and and I'll make whatever they want, and then we can we can work together on the design. And yeah, to be perfectly honest, that's my biggest inspiration. You know, I just I want to make stuff for people and get paid for it. So to add to what they said, there you go. Short and sweet. Makes sense. Makes sense. Love I it. mean, you know. Yeah, I have nothing to add to that for myself. I mean, that's valid as any reason. Uh, you know, f being able to pay your bills is important. Yes. So, yes. <laughs> I think that, an I mean, that definitely answers that. Let's jump into this uh, fourth question here from uh, Lee at Regal Street. Lee, thanks for writing in. Let me find this here. Here we go. Hey, guys. Lee from Regal Street Woodshop again. I was wondering, when you use a router... Do you set the speed according to the bit you're using or the wood you're working on? Or is it more of a plunge and pray type of situation? Thanks, guys. Looking forward to hearing your feedback. Thanks, Lee. Dan? Plunge and pray. No. Um, the speed <laughs> on your router. I actually like plunge and pray for a show title. Just going to throw that in there as an option, too. <laughs> okay. You don't like um, Dan's hot tip? Dan's hot tip is, is <laughs> it's fire. It's fire. <laughs> well, it is hot. Um... Uh. <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say. Go on. Uh, <laughs> plunge and pray. Oh, you pray. Plunge stay and pray. On stay on task. Um, no, it 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 depends on both things. Uh, the the size of the bit. Obviously, the bigger the bit, the slower you want it to go because the outside of the bit's going to go faster. Mm -hmm. Um, 
That's just physics, right? And then it also depends on the wood. Um, maple, I would say, slow down because it, it tends to burn more. Mm-hmm. So you're going to want to slow it a little bit. Whereas like a, a softer wood, like, I don't know, bird's eye pine or something. <laughs> you want it to go faster, right? So it depends on the size of the bit and the material you're you're using it on. What say you, Peter? Uh, so unlike Dan, I only own two routers. Three if you count my CNC. So I've never really paid attention to the speed uh, at which I was running my router. Usually I just ran it at whatever. My my first router just had the one setting. It's just on or off. It's the like the basic porter cable that I feel like a lot of people have, have in their shop or have had in their shop. Now, with the CNC, I feel like it does matter more because you're not able to control the cut. You know, Usually, if you're going by hand, you can feel resistance. You can snap a bit if you do it in a CNC. So that's the first time I've really paid attention to it. Now, what I usually do is, yeah, kind of the 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 plunge and pray method but i especially if i'm doing like juice grooves or something that's really annoying to clean out i will make sure to do a final pass with like just a a hair of a cut uh just to clean it up so if you do get burning because let's be real a lot of us started out with the kit bits you know just the full kit of cheap bits the you know 64 bits for like forty dollars ninety nine. i still have them (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and like, it's trash. They're trash, let's be real. They'll cut, but they start gunking up and burning almost immediately. So, yeah, slowing it down, that would help. But if you're using them and that's what you have, that's fine. You can still use them. Keep them clean, first of all, because that'll affect it. And just maybe do a final pass that's just like a cleanup pass. Like, just take a little hair off at the end, and that'll save you a lot on sanding. That just, there is Pete's hot tip. Nope, no, don't try to change it. <laughs> Dang it. It's too late. Title's been set. Yep. Um, what about you, Mike? I will admit I almost never change the speed of my routers. Um Attaboy. Except for when I'm doing – I should. That's not the way to do it. But uh, except for when I'm working, of course, on bird's eye pine. No, when I'm working on maple, I do slow it down because um, especially – I have this this chamfer bit I have. is uh, It's a massive chamfer bit. Um, I just thought, why buy a small one when you can use a big one on all sizes and just shrink and just cut it down. So I have this massive one, and uh, when I'm, I like to do big under bevels on things. And whenever I'm working with maple, uh, I I slow it down because, like Dan says, that stuff will burn like immediately, and it'll look terrible. And it you maple have a hard time fixing it. Notorious burners. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. So um, <clears throat> I'm not as good about it as I should be. I. When I am plunging, though, when I actually use my plunge router, I am pretty good about it on that. But for the most part, the woods that I work with don't burn that often. I mean, I don't usually work. I almost never work with cherry, which is a tragedy because it's so amazing to work with. I need to work with it more. Um, I do work with a lot of maple, but I don't end up having to do a lot of um, routing or edge treatment on it. So <laughs> why did all three of us answer this? It should have just been ditto. We should have moved on. The, <laughs> I mean, it's, but but it's it's, you know. I could be better about my practices on with the router for sure. But Dan's answer was the best, I think. Um, that's kind of the midpoint of our voicemails. So yeah. let's discuss the next, uh, this week's giveaway for the pod. Uh, this week, Macbeth has graciously given us a, Dan, 
Ha, three on the hot seat. What's it called? Oh, <laughs> oh my <laughs> God. It is the Trend Stealth. Thank you. Uh, stealth Air Half Mask comes in. It's a medium large. I believe, yeah, it's a medium right? large. So Plus yeah, extra filter extra pack. Filters. Oh, <laughs> Dan swipes oh, yeah. in. <laughs> Dan's got that. It's actually a pretty sweet one. Uh, it, it's very low profile. It doesn't have the big uh, like cans or filters on the outside, uh, but it does have them on the inside. They're very, they're just, it's a nice looking mask. Yeah, it looks like a nice and dusk, dusk mask. Yeah, so I would definitely jump on that. And uh, this week's secret phrase, and Dan already kind of dropped it once, is <laughs> bird's eye pine, which is obviously very unique. It's uh, It only grows in one part of Canada. <laughs> it's incredibly no one lives. unique. Incredibly <laughs> unique. Bird's eye pine. It is harder than maple. What? But it's also not. <laughs> yep. And the heartwood of it looks almost as dark as walnut. Yep. It is no, very keep going. Unique. This so, is fun. This is good? Yeah. So the Jenka rating, depending on where you, you press the ball into the wood, it's anywhere from 100 to 3,000. Wow, 3,000. Yeah, That's amazing. Yeah. So, so you really need a combination 000. blade when you're cutting it's it. just below Ipe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want you to keep going. What else can you do with it? Oh, oh, perfect for humidors. Humidors. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this can't be. Like, we gotta stop. This is ridiculous. So yeah, right. this week's secret phrase is "bird's eye bird's pine." Eye pine. Yep. yep. So write us, uh, write us a message on the Another Woodshop Podcast Instagram, or on the, or send us an email to Another Woodshop Podcast at gmail dot com with the secret phrase, please. Okay, um, we'll jump into some more questions here. We're moving right along pretty good, actually. Um, yeah. Let's get one here from Robert Silman. I'm sorry, Robert of Silman Woodworks. Hey, guys. I'm curious about trying new things on customer builds and how to necessarily approach it. I built a set of cornhole boards recently using pocket hole screws to attach the top from the inside because I'd like to hide the fasteners. So I was trying to find a way to hide the fasteners of the legs as opposed to just using carriage bolts from the outside. Would you guys just go ahead and try it and not say anything? Would you try it after talking to your client and say, hey, I want to try this, and if it fails, I'll fix it however I can fix it? What would you guys do? Thanks for the question, Robert. Um, I would not tell the customer what you're going to do because they're not going to know what you mean. Uh, yep. between, carriage between a carriage bolt or uh, a threaded insert, they're not going to know what those things are realistically. They're going to they're going to immediately react to don't change it from what whatever you normally do. That's going to be their immediate reaction because they just don't know what those things are. Uh, yep. Secondly, I don't really know how a threaded insert would work for this application uh, without it unthreading itself after use. Right? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. You would have to probably epoxy it in or glue it in just so it won't really wiggle on you. It's a good idea. It's a good solution. Yeah, so, so yes, it would work. And like Mike said, and like you said this once before, is the less you tell the client mm -hmm. about the details, mm -hmm. the better. Because you don't need them even Googling or whatever and seeing yeah. like what looks better. And then they just give their opinion and now right. that is law and you have to, you know, conform to it. Yeah. But that being said, you know, trying out something new, this is fairly uh, small and okay. Trying out something bigger or something where it could have more consequences on a client build could be a little risky. Uh, Dan, would you want to maybe talk about that? Yeah. I, have you ever tried anything? I agree like, completely with what you just said. I yeah. On a smaller project like a cornhole board or whatever, I think it's fine to try things. And I wouldn't 
like like Mike and Pete said, I wouldn't tell the client. Um, just giving him more options it will confuse them. They they yeah. only care about the final product, right? As mm-hmm. long as the final product is what they have envisioned, I think you're fine. I definitely wouldn't be trying something new on a big project like what I'm working on now, like a desk. Uh, stick to things you know mm-hmm. for something like that. Um, or, I don't know I mean, how a threaded insert would work either. Would you have to? I think you'd have to make the hole through the leg bigger so that it it's it sits on their loser. Mm. Yeah, right? and you'd still have to epoxy it though. Yeah, you're right. Uh, you either that or use a bolt that has the uh the clear shank. There's no thread running all the way up to the end. Oh, oh right. yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. that's a good so point. that's what I'm thinking. Unthreaded okay. unthreaded shank, yeah. That's a good yeah. point. But it would still need to be epoxied in there, but then you're eliminating the point. You can't remove that ever. I mean, you could, I guess, if you mm, just yeah. really wrenched on it, but why would I don't you know. ever maybe really Loctite? Need to... You wouldn't, but I guess if you threw Loctite in there, it should work, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you could even actually Please. get... Not a bad idea for low profile. No, That's I mean, actually... try it out. Make it work. But yeah, I mean, yeah. if you got like a um, a slip over the... Th- over the... If you got a slip to fit over <laughs> oh, the... Oh, I th- wish you guys could see no. the, the... Mistakes camera. were made on my part. If you got a... <laughs> if you got... Uh, if you got a, uh, if you got like a, a, a slip, I don't know what they're called, but it fits. You'd put Please it. Stop in, doing that. In, <laughs> it fit. It, listen, let me say this. You fit it in the in the actual hole in the wood that you drill out, and that would be a sleeve. That's what it is. It's a sleeve that goes over the actual bolt. And if you put, and if it was a little longer than the wood, if you put a lock washer on the one side of it, that would keep it from moving as well, right? Yes. I so, get it now. I don't know for, if I'm it sounded like the talk for a little bit, but it <laughs> I get it now. Anyway, whatever. Not our problem to figure out. I didn't out. hear anything. Don't you tell said. I was distracted by hand gestures. Yeah, yeah. They were not they were poor choices of hand gestures. <laughs> uh, we're recording um, this video, next right? One. Yeah, we are, unfortunately. Yeah, 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 it's gonna it. be available uh, for twelve dollars a person. <laughs> um Okay, so let's move on to the next one as soon as humanly possible. Uh this is from Mark. And uh, actually, I didn't catch an account for Mark, but maybe he mentions it. So here scruffy we go. Scruffy Bear Mark. Woodworking. What's say that again? Is it Scruffy Bear Woodworking? Let's find out. That's a great question. <laughs> hey, fellas. This is uh, Mark. I'm a beginner woodworker. Don't really have a company, but um, just wondering, I had a question. I noticed you guys use a lot of glue and a lot of uh, joiner type work. But uh, what determines when you're just going to use glue or if you're just going to use, like, a domino joiner? Like, does it determine by weight or or just on the project you're working on? And just wondering about that. And also, the last episode, I believe, you guys talked about a, a machine that detects moisture in the wood. I was just wondering, what's the purpose of knowing the moisture in the wood? Like, and what's the cause if it does have moisture? Like, does it, is it bad for your project or like, will it fall apart eventually or something? Just wondering, just a fan of your guys' podcast, you know, and keep up the good work and follow you all, all of you on Instagram and just uh, keep up the good work, guys. Thanks for your input. Not Scruffy Bear. Nope. Mark, <laughs> thank you for all the support, man. Uh, Dan, why don't you take this uh, determining glue on joints and uh, moisture meters? Well, I don't keep a scale in my shop, <laughs> so I don't weigh anything. Um, basically, 
If it's edge grain to edge grain or face grain to face grain, it can be glue only. But if any joint is edge grain to end grain, and hopefully you know what I'm talking about. I'm also making hand gestures, but they're not as... Uh, <laughs> they're not Illicit. as bad as Illicit. <laughs> um, any joint that is edge grain to end grain needs to have some sort of uh, fastener or, you know extra joinery like a, a mortise and tenon a domino a dowel pocket screw that's how i determine that i mean that's pretty simple right i think um moisture meters are very important if you're building stuff out of uh, wood that's has a, a high moisture content you you want to know that it's dried to the point where you can use it because if it if the moisture is too high it's going to shrink and move on you and it'll make your joints fail, right? Pete? Yep. Yeah, so I I don't have a moisture meter in my shop either, but I predominantly work with ash, maple, cherry, walnut, and pine. It's my favorite. So with those, you can... They're all... The weight's fairly regular. So if, if wood is really wet, uh, if I'm and this is again, if I'm picking it up from someone where I know it's not from a yard, I know they didn't dry it properly, or I don't, I don't know if they dried it properly. You can usually feel if it's like really heavy, it's really wet. You shouldn't be working on it anytime soon. Now that being said, I could probably use a moisture meter, but most of this wood you can kind of figure out uh, by the weight if it's like really bad or really good. Uh, I do also keep the wood in a shop usually at least a few days to a few weeks before I work on it. Um, and you know, if you get it from a yard, it's going to be at least air dried. So now obviously you don't want it to be too wet because that whole thing could be falling apart. If it's got enough moisture in it, the glue might not stick. And as far as glues go, you know, like I will pretty much try to back up any glue joint with them, some kind of mechanical tool to go along with it. Whether it is a, you know, if I'm doing a big tabletop glue up, I'm not just going to do glue. I'll, I'm, I'll throw some, you know, you guys will use a domino because you're fancy. I'll use a biscuit joiner to join that. Uh, you know, if I'm doing... Just as a, an aside, though, on a big tabletop, help. they're just for alignment. Those, those they're just don't for alignment. They don't help with strength. Yeah, they... It, well, the glue yeah, joint yeah, itself they don't, they don't on do a, a lot. face-to-face or edge-to-edge yeah, is stronger um, than the wood but itself. But it does create a lot. Yeah, it just helps with alignment and stuff. But even with, you know, just other joinery, like if I'm building a box or something, for some of them, yeah, just glue will be fine. But, you know, if it's something for around the shop, I'll reinforce it with some brad nails or maybe pocket hole, something to give it some extra strength. I would never just do, like, a domino or, oh, well, obviously a domino wouldn't just work. You'd have to glue it up. But, like, just screws. I usually try to throw glue and a nail or screw in there. I wouldn't do it just do one hmm. or the other. Interesting. I mean, I would do just glue, but... Glue is stronger than the wood, so it's going to be plenty. Yeah. I mean, uh, in my opinion. Uh, so I'm actually writing the script right now because I'm doing a video for Moisture Meter. Um, something to think about with wood is it's not a sponge. It has to do with relative humidity. I mean, if you throw it into a lake for a day or two, it's going to obviously get a moisture content. But if some water falls on it, it's not just going to soak up that moisture necessarily and affect the overall moisture content. There's a lot of factors. You can have wood that's too wet. And like these guys, like Pete and Dan said, uh, if it's too wet, as it dries out, it's going to shrink and it will pull itself apart. You can also go buy wood from a spot 
if you drove like two hours from your house, go to a place that has lower humidity than you do, you can get wood that's too dry. You bring it to your shop. You build a piece out of it. It expands because it pulls moisture out of the air, and mm-hmm. it will also blow the joint apart. In that um, case, it is like a sponge, but it's a very slow-moving sponge. Right. It's slow. Yeah. What it is is it, it's it, – what the, the, the number you're looking for is EMC. It's equilibrium moisture content, and your equilibrium moisture content is whatever that number is for your region. You kind of want to be within like 1% of that when you're – now, Pete – Knowing his moisture content by weight blows me away. I don't know how he does that. That's insane. Not to me. like uh, ballpark, uh, ballpark. I'm no but like for I me. Can't, like, I've sniff had it and no. <laughs> I've had builds where like it's five percent off of EMC, and the next season you can tell there was an issue. Um, so it it really is an important thing in the shop to me. A moisture meter, um, and it can really really affect your builds. Uh, and like Dan said, um. Face grain. So, um, you got edge grain, which is the edge, the small edge of your board. You got your face, which is the wide face. And then you have your ingrain, which is where you see the, the actual, like, uh, the cellular structure of the wood. That's the ingrain. Ingrain is the weakest joint spot, uh, but it's also the strongest for, for blunt hits on the face of it. That's why ingrain cutting boards are so good. And the best thing you can think of for wood is think of a bundle of straws held in your hand and the ingrain is where the holes of the straws are. Um, and, and the, the, the wood isn't going to, isn't going to expand and contract along the length of those straws or the wood grain. It's going to expand and contract along the width and spread out. That's how wood does the same exact thing. So when you have a big tabletop, that's, I don't know, let's say 24 inches wide and you've jointed multiple boards and it doesn't even matter if it's jointed actually. If it's just a piece of wood that's 24 inches wide, that thing can expand and contract over the season like a quarter to a half an inch easily. And the longer – and you got to imagine the wider that board is, the more – that's an exponential equation that will expand out more and expand and contract more and more over the width of that board. So if you got a big wide tabletop that's like four feet wide, like a dining room table and eight foot long – that's going to move a lot. And uh, when you screw into those things, you're just asking for trouble. That's why you want slotted attachment points like Z-clips or Z-clips, figure eight clips or I just did in my small slab for my cedar bench. It has the the legs I got from Bear Hollow actually had slotted holes in there and I did threaded inserts. And that's going to allow for movement along the gra- along the width of the grain across the grain. It's not going to move along the length of the grain. It's going to move along the width and across the grain. Um, so those things are really, really, really important. And I think the person who kind of emphasizes that the most in the community would have to be Spagnolo. Uh, he really goes hard on wood movement and it's really important. Uh, that's the wood whisperer. That's really important stuff. And it's something that doesn't get talked about a whole lot. And, um, you know, me and Dan, make fun of pine and Pete makes fun of pine too. And Pete, you know, pine <laughs> is really, really unstable. Uh, yeah. it really moves a lot. Um, it, it just does. And that's why it's kind of like, ah, you know, me and Dan make our, we make our jokes about the bases of it's, it's realistically fine to use pine for a base. Uh, but when you use it for a top, that thing's going to blow apart in no time. It's going to be like two seasons or I'm sorry, two years of seasons and, and, and weather and uh, moisture changes. You're going to have real problems with that thing. So um, it is a very important thing to factor in. However, if you're just getting started in woodworking like this person is, don't sweat it right now. Worry about that later on. Just start making some things and make it whatever. And I recommend you make stuff out of pine in the beginning and as cheap a wood as you can get your hands on and just make some things and just understand they probably won't last. And then later on, as far as the cheapest wood, 
being said, you don't want to go with a lot of us started out with uh, construction grade lumber. That tends to be a little wetter. Uh, the, yeah. the, the moisture in that tends to be a little higher because they that's just going in a house. They're going to screw that thing and force it into the spot it needs to be. If you're building some furniture, go the one aisle over to the the shelving stuff that the you know the boards that are already surfaced. That stuff's usually generally a little drier, so that's definitely something better to go with um, than just going with construction grade lumber. Because I've learned that lesson the hard way. Yeah, yeah. That construction. Go ahead, Dan. Sorry, I was going to say the construction grade lumber that they say is kiln dried is usually only dried to about fifteen to eighteen mm-hmm. percent, which isn't dry enough for furniture. Mm-mm. Yep. And that stuff's made to be, that stuff's not made to be joined. Uh, you're making a base plate out of a two by four, you're standing a stud up, and then you're making a top plate out of a two by four. That joint, there's a reason houses are built 16 or 24 inches on center. Several of those studs can fail and that wall is just fine. Uh, the, the, like I said though, when you're standing a stud up, it's not going to shrink along the height of it. It's going to shrink along the width of it, which won't affect the height. So that wall is still effective. That's They're very effective pieces of material for a wall in your house. When you want to build something in your house that's a table, it's incredibly ineffective. And the sooner you can move away from utilizing box store lumber for any of these builds that are like furniture or home decor, the sooner you can get away from that, the better. Because it's trash. It really is trash and it's not made for this. The application it's made for, it's really good for, for building homes. That's what it's made for. But for building a console table, it's just not made for it. It's just not. It is great to practice with. But it is great to practice with. with. That's why I say learn on it Mm -hmm. and then move away from it as fast as you can. But (laughs) like we said before, you can find really good deals on furniture grade softwoods and lower end hardwoods on uh, Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist. Just scour. Make it part of your daily routine. I mean, even a lumber yard, if you have a lumber yard in, in your area, that stuff's not expensive. Getting, like in my area, ash is dirt cheap. Mm-hmm. It's everywhere. I also it's agree. Like I, I hear it from people like, why? why I'll talk to people, why are you still using pine? And they've been doing it for like a while. Why are you still using pine? Well, it's so cheap. Well, if you look at some of these lo- these cheaper hardwoods, they're they're barely more expensive than pine when you when you pencil it all out. I mean, they yep. hear $3 a board foot. You're probably going to pay like 40% more for the material. But you're going to spend so much more time working with it. We, we nail this, like, you know, every single week it seems like we need to kill. But anyway, <laughs> moisture content is really important. It's really, really something you want to understand as soon as you can. But it's also something you don't really want to sweat about when you're getting going. You want to just kind of start working with tools and get comfortable and get the muscle memory, in my opinion. Word. Um... Let's jump into this question from Commonwealth. Oh, I lost it here. I apologize. Commonwealth Craftsman. Hey, guys. Brad Davis here. That's Commonwealth Craftsman on Instagram. Uh, first, I want to say you guys are doing awesome on the podcast. I've listened to every episode. You guys have taught me a lot so far. Uh, I've got a question today. So I'm a beginner woodworker. And in fact, I've never even made a cutting board before. But I want to make one for my wife as a gift. I've got quite a bit of rough sawn maple to work with, but I do not have a joiner and I do not have a planer. My question for you is, has any of you ever used a router table with shims in your fence and a straight bit to joint boards or 
And it's my best bet to just cut all four sides of that on a table saw to dimension it. Or, finally, I guess should I just wait on the cutting board project until I've got the better equipment to mill the lumber more accurately. Uh, thanks for everything you guys do on the podcast. Again, I've, I've learned a lot from you so far, so please keep it up. Thanks for the question, man. Um, I won't really answer this one because I don't – for me, like we I get just, it. You're I, above it. That's fine. No, I'm Dan, not above it, it at all. That's not all <laughs> I'm what I'm going to say. What I'm going to say is I, I'm not really the – like for me, I think a joiner is an essential tool. Pete and Dan do not think so. So I'm not really the person to answer that. Uh, I kind of got a joiner as soon as I could when I started woodworking because it just made sense to me to like joint wood. So these guys actually have an answer for you. There are definitely ways you can get around without a joiner. You make a planer sled and stuff like that. But it doesn't sound like you have a planer either. Um, I was wanting to invest into my hobby because I found that I was loving it so much. So I just kind of invested into it. So I don't really have firsthand experience with a lot of those ways around not having that tool. I've kind of just had the tool since the beginning. So I'm not a good resource for it is what I was going to say before rudely interrupted by Pete. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, um, I don't really have a good, these guys have more creative solutions than I do for making things square without those tools. For me, um, I think it's tough to not have a planer and a joiner to make a cutting board. I don't know. I don't really know how you do it. I know what you're saying about using a shim and that I know you, I have seen people do it. I know you can do it. It just looks really sketchy to me and it really freaks me out when I see people do that. Um, there's just too many variables and man, routers can be so dangerous, man. So just be really careful with that. Um, my friend, he would just did a build. Um, it's Ty. Ty made it. He just built this heart. And at the time he didn't have a jointer and he had to join two halves of a heart together. Um, oh yeah. What he did is he took a piece of melamine and he used a flush trim bit to, to reference against with the flush trim bit to make that edge flat, which I thought was very creative. Um, and that was one way, that's how he did it. And so there's definitely ways around it, but I'm going to throw it to these guys because I actually don't really have any solutions. So Dan, go first. I would say make yourself a router flattening jig. I I mm. believe Mike has a video on that. I don't did you? just put a video out on that. Yeah, so there you go. Go watch Mike's video. And a, it sounds like this guy has a, uh, at least a table saw, so you can make a straight line ripping jig for your table mm-hmm. saw as well. And then you could use that on lots of different pieces, mm-hmm. not just these ones. And I say that without knowing how big his rough sound maple is. I mean... That could be 18 inches wide for all we know by 100 inches long. Or it could be three by one by two feet. So I I would go the router flattening jig and the straight line ripping jig. What about you, Pete? So I totally get where Mike's coming from. And I'd say, you know, one of the first things I got before making cutting boards was a planer. I saw that at the time a little more important than a joiner because – you got a sled. I agree. Go, if you make a little sled, you run it through the planer. You got a flat reference side. Now you run that sucker through the table saw. Okay, so if you don't have either one of those, you only have a router, a table, and a table saw. Easiest thing to do, like like Dan said, is uh, get a straight line rip jig. Basically, for it's all it is is just a board, and you attach somehow a piece of wood to it, stabilize it, so that even if it's uneven or rough. You can run it through your table saw because the the reference, the board underneath it is dead flat. 
run it through there and you get a nice clean edge on it. With that, if you want to make one of those that's just strips and you glue them together, uh, one of those boards, just keep moving that piece of wood over and keep just cutting strips off of it. Then what you can do is either with that same jig or take it over to a router table and make your uh, basically like a joiner jig. I've done that. Just want to take off the smallest amount of wood possible in every single pass. But basically, once you cut that strip on the table saw, you have two flat reference sides that should be fairly parallel. And then you run the other edges over the joiner or just one edge over the joiner. Go back but to the same table a saw. I'm oh, sorry, not joiner. Uh, the, the joiner uh, jig that he has on a router oh, okay. table. Okay. Yep. And then go back to the table saw and you got a squared up board on all four sides. My first cutting board... I made with that technique and actually uh, joining it with a hand plane <laughs> that I just restored. So you can also do that. I think this, you know, yes, you can get the new tool. I think this is a great opportunity to dive deep into jigs and techniques that make you think outside the box. This is one of the best things you can learn early on. I would highly recommend doing a lot of heavy research on how to do it. There's even a joiner jig you can set up for the table saw using a, a, a basically an auxiliary fence and having a blade in there. Um, again, be very careful. There's a lot of things that could go wrong, but it is doable. These are all plans that are out there. I'm pretty sure all of these plans have been in like fine woodworking magazine. You know, this isn't something like super sketchy. You just have to be careful with it. Uh, so definitely take that as an opportunity to, to go outside the box and learn. And, and if not, you know, if you got the money, I'd say maybe look for a planer. It would come in handy. Yeah. I agree with that. I would get a planer before I get a jointer. Yep, yeah. for sure. Definitely. Cool. Well, that's it. That's it for questions. We do have one more, but we're pushing the limits here. So why don't we uh, start riveted wrapping this thing up? Um, we wanted to uh, real quick. I wanted to give a shout out to the guys over at We Built a Thing. Uh, that is Bruce Ulrich. That's Drew Fisher and Mark Christ. Uh, you'll know them as uh, Brew Daddy on Instagram at Fisher Shop and uh, Gunflint Designs. So uh, those guys are really nice guys. They gave us a shout-out. We gave them a shout-out. We want to keep that going because they are really great guys, friends of the shows. And if you like our show, uh, you should check their show out and see if you like their show. So it's a good option. Um, also, we wanted to very much thank, again, our sponsors, Bear Hollow Supply. Thank you so much for uh, sponsoring the show. We really appreciate you. And thank you to Macbeth Hardwood. Uh, thank you for sponsoring the giveaway. It's awesome. We have a lot of fun with that. It's really cool. We got a hundred people who entered for the giveaway last week. That's just crazy. under hundred. Just a, yeah, a hundred. Don't tell the number. Oh, um, we oh, got a hundred people. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, yeah, it was ninety six, ninety seven people. <laughs> no, yeah, we really. Uh, that's pretty crazy. So thank you to everyone who entered that, um, and thank you for all the engagement and all the support and everything you guys do. Uh, all as always, five star reviews. They really do help us a lot. We're learning more. Now that they help uh, with our chart placement on the uh, podcast charts, you know, us doing well in the charts actually helps us overall grow the show and grow the audience and keep being able to do this. So if you haven't left us a review, uh, go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. If you don't five have- Five star only. Yeah, five star only. If you don't have anything less than a five, then just, you know, you don't have to leave us. You can leave the lower than five star reviews on other podcasts. Um <laughs> if you don't if you don't have a way to get to Apple Podcasts or not, feel free to reach out to any one of us. We'll give you the direct link as to where to leave the review at. Um if you use another platform, but the Apple Podcasts is the one that helps us the most. 
continue listening on whatever platform you use. Those metrics help, but the reviews on Apple Podcasts really give us a big, uh, a big uh, helping hand there. So uh, the other thing is, if you could please, thank you so much for the voicemail. We didn't even do a call out this week, and we got more than we can get to in the show. We have other written in questions. You guys are awesome. Yeah, we have. Thank a you lot so much. Questions now. Yeah, we have a lot of questions. But we, we need have- more. Yeah, keep bringing yeah, them in. We love them. More. We don't. We don't. We don't have like a. We're not like picking and choosing ones. We we just can't get to some of them. We're just so busy, and we really, really can't thank you enough for being in that situation. We're question um, hoarders. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, what else we got here? Is that kind of it? Yeah. So record your voicemails. Send them over to another woodshop podcast at gmail dot com or call in seven five four two two five five. 297. And I'm not saying that voicemails get a priority, but I'm saying no, they like, get a priority. You know, voicemails get a priority. They do. Yeah. So <laughs> they're just more engaging it, you know, for the podcast. Yeah. We love hearing you guys, you know, ask your questions and, and the situations you're in. We want to, we want to help out and definitely check out Dan and Mike on YouTube soon. Hopefully me and uh, all the three of us on YouTube and apparently TikTok. <laughs> Bunch of little teenagers. These guys are on TikTok. Check them out. I can't believe I'm saying that. I mean, TikTok. We don't go into that conversation. It's so weird. Check out Mike on MySpace. Yeah. And, Friendster. Uh, Friendster. Uh, if you're, if anyone's still on Second Life, Geo make sure to hit me up. I have a Geo Second Life as Woodwork Pete. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's going to be it for us. Thank you so much for listening. And we love you guys a long time. And you have a great rest of your week. Love you guys. Bye. Love you a long time. Bye.